From WHYY and Billy Penn, it is your Monday edition of Hit and Season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter, X at John Stolness. Coming up, the winter meetings are here. Nothing's happened yet as we're recording on Monday night. And uh, as we are reading the tea leaves from the Phillies and the front office and the Phillies beat writers, doesn't sound like the Phillies are going to be whole hog and making huge deals this week. But uh, this is one of the more fun weeks on the baseball calendar during the offseason. A lot of free agent signings, a lot of trades expected to go down over these next few days. So this will be our opportunity to kind of introduce you to this year's winter meetings. Uh, We're recording again on on Monday night, so they've already gotten underway down in Nashville, Tennessee. So, um, well, more like just a speculationville. But the Phillies also made a piece of news uh, on Monday that we'll get to in a second as well. And then Liz has something very fun for us uh, from the Wayback Machine. Uh, So we're going to jump into that here in just a second. And I mentioned Liz a second ago. Liz Rocher, of course, from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on the Twitter X at Liz Rocher. Liz, hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. Hi. Hello. I'm doing doing just fine, John. (laughs) Doing just fine. (laughs) Fantastic. Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus also here. Uh, he's a Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's up with you, buddy? Uh, I think there was uh, somebody from the Mets site, Metsmerized, that said there was somebody snoring in the media room. The oh, yeah, I saw that tweet earlier. <laughs> saw that. So that's, that's where we're at on the, the baseball landscape. Right yeah. <laughs> Sadly, Some hot winter meeting action going on right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these things can be. I would imagine I've never covered a winter meeting um, as a as a as a reporter. I've never gone to. It's just, it, it sounds a lot more exciting than it probably is. From from what I gather from from what I, from everybody tweets out, it's just kind of like a lot of waiting around in in hotel lobbies and bars and kind of just like accosting general managers and team presidents as you see them and asking them, "Did you do anything yet?" I mean, that seems kind of the the vibe of it. Am I? I know I don't think you guys have covered one either, but I mean that's is that the general vibe that you guys get as well with these winter meetings? I like to imagine a lot of hotel doors slamming as guys like jump out to try and ambush each other or mm-hmm. stick their heads out to see who's walking by. But I also just kind of like Dave Dombrowski's vibe this year, um, having done what he intended to do this off season pretty quickly with Aaron Nola. He's now got all this time he can play with. Uh, yeah, the, he's just there for the music. Yeah, he's, he's just on pure vibe. Reading some of his quotes, <laughs> honestly. Like, it doesn't sound like the Phillies are going to acquire Juan Soto, so he won't have a lot of paperwork to do for a deal that size. And it doesn't feel like he's he's feeling any kind of rushed. He seems like he's just puttering around the winter meetings in a bathrobe, just vibing with whoever, chilling yep. at the hotel bar with big sunglasses on and throwing, like, peanut shells into a trash can with Chris Young. <laughs> just waiting for someone to come up to him and be like, okay, here's the deal. I think you'll like it. He can be like, mm pass or you know whatever so he's gonna have I, I, hopefully i've he's, got a visit to opera land scheduled later today <laughs> that's right yeah no i get that too and, and we'll talk a little bit about dave dombrowski and uh and and what the phillies might be doing might be looking to do here this week at the winter meetings and of course not everything gets done at the winter meetings but this is also a place where a lot of groundwork gets laid for deals that might come to pass over the next week or two or three going into going into Christmas. But uh, this should be a busy few weeks here on the offseason baseball calendar. But before we get to the winter meetings, and I guess this is part of the winter meetings because the Phillies announced this as the winter meetings were getting underway, but the Phillies have extended Rom Thompson's contract through the 2025 season. Uh, that's important because no manager ever likes to go into a season on the last year of his deal. It can often be seen as a sign or a vote of no confidence from the front office that the manager is kind of 
playing on borrowed time, that he could be a lame duck manager. And Dave Dombrowski understands that. He's been around baseball a long time. They value Rob Thompson. And I know there's a lot of people in the fan base who really pick on Rob Thompson more than more than I really understand. I think don't people don't understand how, how what, what kind of shortage there are of competent, good managers who know how to run a clubhouse in Major League Baseball. There truly are. And, and Rob Thompson's one of them. This team plays well under him. They like playing for him. It seems like a no-brainer. And uh, the Phillies went and, and did the thing. And so uh, he will not enter the 2024 season as a lame duck manager, but just a, a one-year extension. So uh, I'm curious, you know, Justin, whether you think that's by design, whether you think that's what more like what he wants, whether you think that's what the Phillies want, whether it's just a year at a time. My my vibe of it is, because I remember him saying at some point that I think he was going to retire if he hadn't been elevated to manager after the after the 2022 season. I don't think he wants to be a manager for the next 10 or 15 years. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, reading some of his quotes about signing this extension, I feel like, you know, he at least said the right thing to make you believe he is excited and, you know, ready to be here. And this is where he wanted to be and everything. So it's that was cool. I, I can see yeah. I can see your point, though, that a guy who was considering retirement, but I, I might not be interested in running a, a clubhouse for the next decade. But at the same time, I feel like he said that because he was also expressing how much of a long shot this felt like it was going to be. And in, in truth, it really was. I mean, the odds were not great that he would take over for Joe Girardi and they would immediately turn the corner like they did. I mean, that that is, I don't think even even the biggest Girardi critics saw that coming. So when uh, the, that Thompson's had this much success, I think not only insulates him from really the threat of losing his job for any kind of, even if he like, you know, starts getting picked on a little more aggressively by his critics. Uh, I, I, I feel like his success has been so immediate and the mm-hmm. the the connection between him and the team has been so strong that they really don't have a choice to want to keep him around and i think he's having a better time than than he probably even imagined being a major league manager which again wasn't an opportunity i thought i think he thought was very likely so yeah i, I can see your point but i also think he knows he's in the right spot even if it is like maybe the last spot he has before he retires no, I, I get that. I, and I do think he's enjoying himself. Um, I guess my point is that Liz, a lot of managers, when they're when they've experienced a lot of success, they're they're pushing for multi-year contracts, right? They're pushing for a three-year or four-year contract. They they want the job for a long time. They're they're pushing for more than just a, a one-year add-on. But it, it just it seems as though both sides are happy to kind of go along with it this way. And that's the only reason why I think I kind of ascribe to the the theory that, you know, Rob Thompson's just kind of Playing it by it seems almost like playing it by ear. He's really enjoying himself. He's going to keep doing it as long as he enjoys. But it doesn't sound like he necessarily wants a a long commitment to to the job. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's totally fine if that's the way. Frankly, that's if that's what's best for everybody. That's it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's the right way to go. I think it's a generational thing, especially when you see I don't know congressmen and senators working until they're dead. Uh, it it seems like there's a generation that will just never leave. They'll never retire either because they can't or won't for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So we're sort of conditioned right now to think that, yeah, the president is supposed to be 88 or however old he is when that's not necessarily <laughs> the case. You know, Yeah. Uh, I don't think I mean, Thompson to me seems like a normal, well-adjusted person who does not want to spend the rest of his life working, especially since he spent his entire career thus far in baseball, traveling mm-hmm. around, 
doing the same thing he's doing now only it's at a it's a slightly different level so i think he really he is playing it by ear and just sort of seeing how everything goes and if it starts to be more trouble than he thinks it's worth you know for whatever reason i don't think he'd have a problem stepping away and i can do nothing but applaud that go spend time with your wife and your children go and spend the money you've made that you did not expect to make yeah. At this point in your like career, go buy a great house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, Thompson, exactly. And like, he, that that really clicked. He, he was one of the things that has really contributed to this team's success. So I hope he's here as long as he wants to be. Exactly. And I think he will be. You know, I I think he's he's managed to enter on a high note. And he knows that if he stays too long, it's only going to go downhill. And yep. who can blame him for not wanting to stay with the Phillies after, th- you know, past th- the time when things have gone wrong, whatever you want right. to call it. So I I am glad. I'm happy about that because I, I want him to want to be here. I don't want him to feel like, well, he has to work or he has an obligation. And I'm glad that the Phillies are on board with that, too. Rob Thompson has managed 273 games with the Phillies. His 568 winning percentage is the best winning percentage of any Phillies manager in the modern era. The only other guy who comes who, who has a, a higher winning percentage is Arthur Irwin, who managed two seasons, 1894 to 1895, and uh, managed <laughs> the team to a 575 winning percentage. So uh, Rob Thompson has had a remarkable first two seasons in Philadelphia. Sorry, those, Thompson... those seasons are not ba- real baseball seasons, let's be <laughs> honest. That's not real. I hope Rob Thompson only manages as long as the Phillies make the playoffs. I hope he's like, I will be the only manager who only ever manages yeah. playoff teams. And this, the yeah. second they, they, they don't make the playoffs, or they look like they're not going to make the playoffs, he just quits. I'm out. That would be, that would be baller, if, if I understand oh, the yeah. term correctly. You know, it's like the George, you got to, you got to know when to leave the room. You know, that's part of, part of, part of being effective is knowing when to leave the room. So good, good for him. And I, and and I do think again, folks, if you are, if you're like, we, we got to see what else is out there. We're not going to win anything with Rob Thompson. This is, that's not a, that is not the hill you want to die on friends. I'm I'm not saying Rob Thompson is definitely going to win this team a world series, but, or that he's perfect. or that he's perfect. Like he made mistakes. He has made mistakes in the playoffs over the last few seasons. And uh, if he doesn't learn from the mistakes, that's that's what I would have an issue with. But every manager makes mistakes. Every manager and in the postseason, managers make mistakes. A lot of times, players bail you out. Sometimes players don't bail you out. And we said that you know during the course of these last two playoffs, when Rob Thompson has made controversial decisions or when he has made aggressive decisions, that you're like, oh boy, he's he, he's bringing Alvarado in now. He's gee whiz, he's bringing in Kirkering now. You know, sometimes those Alvarado moves work. The Kirkering move doesn't work. You know, it's just, you takes what you gets. And I think Thompson's done a fantastic job since he's taken over. And you just also, the other thing that this does is continuity. You know, good teams don't constantly have changeover in their front office and at the managerial spot and with the coaching staff and, and everything else. And the Phillies are really fortunate. They're they're continuing on with pretty much the same group. And they even added a couple of hit, two additional hitting instructors. Dustin Leend and Rafael Pena will be joining the major league staff working with Kevin Long uh, as additional hitting instructors. Instructors. So um, not sure. I think, I think it was, um, which one of these guys was working on Gabe Kapler's staff in San Francisco? I'm trying to remember if it was uh, leaned or if it was Pena. Um, 
But you'll uh, be able to tell by the haunted look in his eyes. There you go. There you go. The <laughs> defeated, dispirited look. That's 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 how you'll know. Um, so yeah. So great news. Rob Thompson extended through 2025. Makes all the sense in the world. All right. Let's get to the the winter meetings. And Dombrowski on Monday, according to Alex Coffey, describing and this is Justin getting to what you were talking about a little bit earlier, talking about the Phillies mode coming into the winter meetings. He said the Phillies are exploring right now. You know, they've got their Indiana Jones hat and, and Dabrowski's got his whip and he's he, he's he's looking for those looking for those stones that are, are hidden around. They're freaking Nashville. everybody out at the it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is not going very unsettled. Well. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> very unsettled by Dave Dabrowski's uh, attitude here. Um, he, he says they're trying to be open minded to players who can improve their club. And the words that he used here are around the edges. He anticipates that they will add a bullpen arm this winter, and Alex Coffey says he mentioned outfield as another area where they could add if they find the right fit. Um, Around the edges indicates to me the big names that are going to get all the attention on MLB Network and MLB Network Radio and uh, and anything MLB.com and anything else MLB-related. Shohei, Yamamoto, uh, Juan Soto, all these different guys. It doesn't sound like the Phillies are playing in that same uh, a neighborhood here, Liz. I mean, it doesn't sound as though this is the, this is the off season where the Phillies are going to go high on the hog with 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 a, somebody like that. Around the edges kind of means you know, like get yourself a, a corner outfielder that you know you could potentially move off if you wanted to actually. If Johan Rojas does win the job in in center field or left field, or you could you know have him as like a fourth outfield, fifth outfield platoon type situation. Doesn't sound like we're talking about a big fish here, Liz. No, not really, and that's to be expected because every time we've you know played devil's advocate and tried to make an argument for why they should sign you know whoever one of the big names it always comes up so where do they play him where does he go they have they have a complete team they do uh and as much as everyone would love for Dombrowski to pull something crazy and you can never you can never count that out if you see, like, it's a level of trust I have in Dabrowski that I believe is unlike I've had with any other. Because when I trust him, if he sees a good deal, he knows to take it. And he knows when not to. And uh, while, you know, guys on the edges would have caused some alarmed bells to go off if they were said by different people at a different time. Um, that's kind of all they need to do. You know, if they needed another big piece, this would we'd be in trouble if we thought if Dombrowski said Mm -hmm. we desperately need a big we need someone big to fix what happened last year, which just isn't true. Well, that's 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 what I was going to ask. And and, and Justin, let me get your thoughts on this, because I I hear what Liz is saying. And I I I, I think I'm more on where Liz is than where some of my Twitter followers are who will really want the Phillies, and obviously everybody, every fan I do, I want the Phillies to do something big because it's fun. You add Juan Soto to this team, it automatically makes this, it's a its a huge shock and a jolt, and everybody would just flip out, and it would be amazing and fun, and our podcast numbers would go sky high. So yes, please do that, Dave Dombrowski. But um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who I think feel like if they just do what Dave Dombrowski is describing, you go out and you get somebody to replace Craig Kimbrell, uh, you grab... Uh, uh, let's say Tommy Pham is the guy or something like that. And I don't know that it actually is him, but somebody like that, you know, and, and you maybe add some bench pieces here and there. A lot of people are upset with the idea of running it back. 
right? That this team fell one win short of making it back to the World Series. You're just running it back. You signed Aaron Nola, but you know, you're no different than you were last year. You got to you got to improve. The rest of the league's going to improve around you. You got to you got to improve with the rest of the league and you know, I just this is a team that really should have been in the World Series last year. This is a this is a World Series team as as currently constructed. They just didn't get there last year, but they were there the year before. They should have gotten there last year. They had the pieces in place to do it and they just they just didn't in the in those final two games. And so I I don't necessarily feel the same urge as a lot of Phillies fans do to to not necessarily run it back. But do you get do you get that where that's coming from? The idea of running it back as being a bad thing? Uh, I think the scary idea is the closing of a window of contention. Like I don't think that's happening yet, but you're obviously as soon as a window opens, it starts to close. And I think two straight uh, deep playoff runs without a World Series ring has really gotten some people concerned. Uh, I, I mean, I think I just accidentally looked at one of uh, the, the stories, John, you wrote after they were eliminated in the NLCS where you were t- talking about how the Phillies will be back. Like, you know, this this stings, but they'll be back. And the first reply was somebody being like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know if that's true. And I mean, the only reason you think that's not true is if, you think these guys are all going to get one year older and age out of their ability to produce at the level they produced at in 2023 or better. And we've seen how this team can struggle for months and still pull its head up, uh, lift its head up and (laughs) (laughs) lift its head up. I saw where you were going with the first part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, still (laughs) dominate teams in the postseason. So I, I, yeah, I, I get the concern. Like everybody's a year older. You know, Bryce Harper still doesn't have a ring, and a prime only lasts so long. And I, I, I get that. But those really are—they are concerns. Um, but like background concerns. This team is largely going to come back. And Scott Lauber wrote something today in the Inquirer that basically said the same thing. Like this situation kind of isn't what Dave Dombrowski is for. It's almost pretty foreign because even after his teams have done well in the past, he's gone out and made some big signings, some pretty seismic trades. Uh, and so here the Phillies are in that same position, but it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of avenues that he's ready to go down because I don't think he feels like he has to. I mean, generally just reading the whatever's out there right now, you can kind of put together a bulleted list of, of what to expect. And I I don't see any big reason why there would be a, like a huge surprise. I mean, you're pretty much saying no one wants Soto. No on Shohei Otani, probably no Josh Hader, probably no Yoshinobu Yamamoto, yes to replacing Craig Kimbrell, yes to somebody who will play for but not necessarily block Johan Rojas. And the wild card is that Dombrowski loves to make trades, and the trade market is where the action is supposed to be this winter, but there's no one the Phillies would be anxious to trade from their core. And, like, the only really crack in, in this, like, general outlook for the team was uh, something Todd Zalecki wrote I saw where it was one of those like here's one goal for each team at the winter meetings and he characterized it as the Phillies should look for something big even though the big thing they were going to do was re-sign Aaron Nola and they did that so he's he kind of says a lot of the same things like oh they got to replace Craig Kimbrell they got to find a bench bat but then he brings up maybe Dombrowski and company could see if there's a trade i.e. Corbin Burns to be made and at a point in the offseason where we're, we're being straight, told straight up pretty much no by reporters like no on Juan Soto, no on Shohei Otani. Like just assume that's not going to happen, uh, which is pretty direct information to be getting this early in the winter meetings and the offseason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that this door is kind of like being left open by Zalecki, the idea of Corbin Burns specifically. That means to me that's not off the table. And a move like that would be seismic. 
the way that uh, Dombrowski has operated with good, even good teams in the past. And it's somewhere where the Phillies could really use another top-line starting pitcher. I'm not thinking anything about the cost. I'm not thinking anything about like the details of a deal like that. Just the possibility that it could happen and that it kind of fits into his profile. So like something like that is, I guess, still possible. But for the most part, I think it can kind of live in this kind of, kind of quieter reality. It's going to be foreign for Dave Dombrowski. And I think a lot of people would love to see dramatic improvements or just watch him just go totally overboard and just fully like stock an area of the Phillies. Like when they the Castellanos news broke after they had already signed Schwarber. But at the end of the day, I really don't think they have to. Like this is a this is a team they just, you know, they reached for that brass ring and twice they missed it. I think they'll have another shot this year and maybe even the year after that because this is a this is a really good team and we've seen them um, be as good. We've seen a lot of them reach their ceiling simultaneously. I don't think Dombrowski's feeling very rushed. I don't think he necessarily needs to. No, I I I agree, and I I think it would be fun, but certainly not mandatory or or even necessary that that he do something crazy. And, and I don't know I don't know how much of the, the payroll situation is, is factoring into all this, but I, I think it's at least a conversation to have. And just so kind of everybody knows where the payroll is at the moment, Fangraphs has estimated their 2024 payroll at $237 million. That's actually the same exact number as the first tier of the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax. Uh, the Phillies finished last year with a $246 million payroll, and it is expected that the payroll could be north of $250 million this year. The second tax number is set at 257 So right now, they're about $20 million under that second tax bracket. It's likely, I think, that Middleton would like to avoid hitting that, but I think the second one he doesn't really care that much about. I, I think he'll probably be willing to go over the 257 um, if if they get the kind of player that they, they want to get. But you can see why acquiring a guy like Soto, who's going to cost, even if you don't sign him to a contract extension, he's going he's gonna to earn about $30 million in arbitration next year alone. He alone takes to 267 and gets you about $10 million away from 277, which is the third luxury tax area, the Steve Cohen number, where, where the, the, the taxes and, uh, and really the, the international money that you lose, the draft picks that you lose, starts to become pretty draconian. And, and you don't really want to go over that unless you have to. Now, you can move some other money someplace else. Maybe that means you, you do just try, you, you try and get rid of a big contract somewhere. I don't know which big contract of a player that you actually wouldn't mind losing another team would actually want to take off your hands. But um, I, I, that's, I think there are some payroll issues here, Liz, that we, we kind of need to be keeping in the back of our minds. And that's also why I think that really a Juan Soto trade doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I just don't think they're going to be prepared to, to spend that kind of money on one player. It's why we're hearing $300 million for Yamamoto. The Phillies aren't doing that. You know, they're not, they're, they're probably not trading for Mike Trout to put them over a number that huge. Why would they, if that when even, he's declining. That idea, who even in and of itself is just a, a Mike, we've had this conversation. Anybody who's talking about trading for Mike Trout, that the Phillies should or should not do it is somewhere back like three to four years ago. Right. Remembering a different trout. Am I right. talking about a certain writer for the Inquirer? You figure it out. <laughs> you can but figure I, that out yourselves. But, um, but, I, as but far I, as, I will say, I will. I'm sorry, you, you as, broke as up over there, Liz. Like That's why a, I was talking over you. Oh, sorry. Uh, as far as the payroll number, I 
I think you're right that Middleton probably wants to stay under that 257, but I also don't think he'd be too terribly annoyed with going over it. Just like you said, if they find the player that they want, Middleton's willing to pay out. They got close to, they got so close two years ago. They got less close last year. I mean, Middleton's got the taste. He he knows oh, yeah. he knows what it's like. He's he's watched Philadelphia win a uh, a Super Bowl since the since the Phillies have won a World Series. So he he wants that. And if Dombrowski says this is what we need, he's gonna open the checkbook and write it. Somebody's got to win something. This is yes. the problem in Philadelphia. Yes. I mean, somebody's yeah, got to win. Something. I was thinking about. We're done with moral victories. That That's over. We're done with underdogs. Do it now. No, somebody's just got to win one because this is this is just has to be over. <laughs> I I was you know it's so funny you said that Justin. I was thinking that like as the Eagles were losing to the 49ers and now everybody's jumping off the bandwagon and it feels like oh man now the Eagles that was aren't, quick. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles aren't the best team in, in the NFL. A trip to the Super Bowl isn't like foretold in in, in the stars. They they're actually gonna. They actually might not make the Super Bowl. They actually m- might not win. A su- like the, these two teams, these the Phillies and Eagles have been, and you can throw the Sixers into the mix too, have been elite for like the last few years and nobody's won anything. Like it really does feel like somebody's got to win something. Like if it's the Eagles winning the Super Bowl will certainly take some of the pressure off the Phillies in, in 2024. But I mean, you can't be thinking about that if you're John Middleton or anybody else. Like you just, somebody's got to win something. They got to win a World Series here. It's just with all with everything they've done, they, they've, they've got to figure out a way to do it. And so I guess you're right. And maybe that, maybe that trumps the, the, the any of the luxury tax numbers. Maybe it trumps the, the $277 million. I don't know. The way Middleton has spoken the past couple of years makes it seem like he does these things do as ridiculous as it kind of feels thinking like someone would operate like this. At the same time, I feel like it's got to factor into it uh, at least a little bit. You know, he's he's definitely switched over from being like having excuses as to why things weren't happening to being like, yeah, no, uh, I wanted to do this because he want I want to win. And I, I think that now we're just kind of stuck in this cycle of trauma with teams in Philadelphia being good but not winning at all. And they need to they, they, they are in a position to break that. They might be in the best position to break that. I don't know I don't know how exactly like you could frame that, but I, I think that's that's very, very possible. Like the that there's 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 perhaps pitfalls for other teams in Philadelphia that the Phillies don't have. They have seem like they have like the vibes, the talent the president of baseball ops and an owner ready to spend. Um, they play in a division that is not the powerhouse. It was, it's been projected to be a couple of times in a row. You know, they are, they are set up to win. They, they the chance is there. That's what made it frustrating in the NLCS this year. I mean, nothing went wrong other than they just, they lost like they blew yeah. it. They could have won it and they blew it. They lost. So I th- that's got to factor into it a little bit because Middleton, he likes to, he likes to, show his fandom like act like a fan sometimes i think he, he likes to play the i'm one of you cards and <laughs> i think that you, you've seen more and more of that in the past couple of years yeah and in a way he is i mean that I, I think he comes by it honestly i really do think he 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 does want to win as much as a as a fan does and and he has shelled out a lot of money i do think if if there's a chance that they can get juan soto here and we keep talking about juan soto i just feel like they're not getting juan soto we're not getting juan soto but he's getting dealt somewhere yes. and 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 we we know the phillies have the prospects to trade for him and they have enough money that they could make it work conceivably 
it could happen, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen a- at all. It, and and for everybody, like we said, Yamamoto, there was some uh, some fire around or some smoke around the the, the Phillies and Yamamoto. I was about to say the Eagles. Uh, fi- the Phillies and Yamamoto uh, a couple of weeks ago, right after the NOLA signing. But now we're seeing, I was seeing a report like the, the salary numbers are jumping up to 250, 260, 280. It could be over to $300 million now for a 25-year-old top of the rotation starting pitcher. You can understand that. Um, he's going to get Garrett Cole money. The Phillies are definitely not swimming in those waters. And they're not swimming in the Shohei Otani waters either. Of course, that's the big story at the winter meetings is who's going to get Shohei Otani. It's not going to be the Phillies. A report that everybody started jumping up and down and lighting their hair on fire when they saw it come down on Monday morning was by John Morosi on MLB Network, who said that the Braves are still in on Otani, said they're engaged with Otani's camp, which I just assume meant they you know, set a date for their wedding. But uh, apparently that is supposed to mean that they are talking about adding Shohei Otani as a free agent. And, and before I throw this to you guys, I just want to unequivocally say, there is no way the Atlanta Braves are spending $600 million on a baseball player. I don't care if that baseball player, I don't care if that baseball player can grow a third arm and throw two pitches at the same time. There's no way they're signing Shohei Otani to a free agent contract. And so I would love for everyone to just get that out of their minds. It's not happening. Agree. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's not I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Very I think good. we can all feel moving good on. About that. We don't have to leave the door open. I feel like yeah, that's that's just not a deal that front office yeah. makes. No, we're closing the door. We're locking it. We're throwing away the key and burning down the house. There are Liz- plenty of other terrible places for him to go oh, where he likely will go. But well, I that don't was my next question. Where, where do you guys think he's going to go, Liz? Where do you think he's going to go? Where's your um, best guess? I really hated that he was with the Dodge with the uh, with the Giants recently. I hated that. Um, I think he'll probably. I think he'll go to the Dodgers. Okay, Justin, what do you think? I've kind of maintained the Dodgers as well. It just seems like the obvious move, but what you read is that you know he's a creature of habit and he likes you know it, he likes what the Angels have permitted him. What they've permitted him to do i think the autonomy he's been granted by that franchise uh has been a big part of why he had like why he chose them why why he's uh he he would even have considered coming back to them and it's crazy to me that buster only tweeted today that one player agent thinks otani will go back to the angels because of money but also because he's devoted to his routine and no organization would offer him more autonomy than the angels uh that that i also think is totally out of the question <laughs> like that would can you imagine it? after all of this he just goes back to the angels and then we can all be mad at him at that point like it's like we just like we can be mad at trout like what are you you're, you're doing this dude. you're sealing yourself in the tomb now yeah like, i don't yeah. know how you're doing it but you're nailing nails in your own coffin so all right go for it have fun out there it's not gonna happen you no. will not win a world series with the anaheim angel this is not gonna happen yeah. so the dodgers i think represent more of an opportunity. It's not too terribly far from the situation he's been in his entire major league career. They obviously have the money. They're obviously one of these uh, tanks of a franchise that just, when they want to, can just load up on talent. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's the one that just seems like it's made the most sense. But, uh, yeah, I also didn't like that he was meeting with the Dodgers or the Giants. But, again, I'm just – I. <laughs> I'm thinking to last offseason when the Giants were like, it's definitely Aaron Judge. No, it's not. definitely Carlos Correa. No, it's not. It feels like they, they have, uh, they're like, 
a Philly sports team in a championship round uh, when it comes to signing major like free agents. They just they get close and then ah, whoops, I don't I, we're out. So I, I kind of have a hard time watching that go all the way through as well. So I, I'm sticking with the Dodgers because it just makes the most sense still. And it would make the Yankees so angry. Yeah. It would just make true. them angry the, the and make have... them look stupid and awful. I'll I'll go I'm gonna come double back on the Yankees in a second, but I'll go I'll say the Giants. I, I think he's gonna stay on the West Coast, which again great. Stay on the West Coast. Don't come I mean if we gotta face him six times a year, okay. You know, big deal. I don't care. You know, it's fine. Stay out in San Francisco. If the, he's the Giants need more than just Shohei Otani um, to to become a, a real contender uh, out there. But um, they they need a face of the franchise. They need someone else. And I know um, they're really going hard after Yamamoto too. They're not going to sign both of them, obviously. But I think the Giants will get at least one of those guys. Um, and I'll say I'll say Otani right now. As far as Juan Soto, it sounded like at the beginning of the at the beginning of the week, uh, the Yankees were in the lead to trade for him. But now hearing the talks between the two teams are, are kind of far apart. Hearing the Blue Jays kind of getting into the mix now for, for adding Juan Soto. It sounds like the American League East is is really kind of pushing hard for him. Um, I don't know. Where do you think Juan Soto is going to end up? I will say that neither Shohei Otani nor Juan Soto, the, the list of teams that are the leading potential landing spots for both of them, there's really no team that like alarms me, you know, like obviously since both we've pretty much accepted that neither of these guys is coming to the Phillies. So at some point they will have to face both of them. So that, you know, that's just, that's just unavoidable. But that's the case now. He, yeah. He is yeah. a baseball player. You will have <laughs> yeah. to face him the way the schedule is set up now. Yeah. Um, but just reading like Dodgers, angels, Cubs, blue Jays, and giants for Otani, uh, according to the LA times. And then with Soto, it's kind of a lot of the same teams, honestly, but throw the Yankees in there. Um, I just none of the divisional rivals of the Phillies are, are kind of in the mix other than that uh, Braves rumor, which we just you know said isn't true anyway. So I'm not really alarmed by any of the landing spots for, for either of these guys with Soto. I mean, I, I feel like a team like the Yankees has to they like have to get him. I would rather see him go to like yeah. the Blue Jays or the Cubs, you know, one of these more more mid-tier teams that's still trying to like build to something or get the guy or or find somebody who can who clicks and and is the difference maker for a team that's close but i do think i think it's more like at this point the yankees to maintain their dignity as a franchise have to just go nuts on somebody and be like look we we got a guy all right we are the it's still the yankees we are still the yankees it still says steinbrenner on that door you know, there's we're still casting this shadow of the evil empire across the city and across all of baseball. It's still come on, like we are still at the dignified, blue pinstripe, smooth-faced Yankees that you were terrified of as a child. And I think they 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 have to go for a guy like Soto. If it's not going to be Otani, they gotta like just pile all these assets into a huge trade for Soto. Even if it's a trade that everybody looks at and goes, "That's an insane trade. You're stupid for doing that." I think they have to do it just to maintain. Uh, the 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 dignity of the organization, and I I really hope they do because it would be hilarious. They have to make a big move because otherwise their legacy is, or at least Brian Cashman's legacy is going to be that tweet where I think someone is like, we don't they the Yankees don't believe they need Bryce Harper. They they, they don't need to <laughs> sign him to a three hundred million contract. He's he they don't believe that he's going to be a difference maker for the team. That will be Cashman's legacy because it was such an obvious 
I mean, you still you look at it now and you're like, yes, of course, Bryce Harper belongs in Philly. But think back when he was during his free agency after being with the Nationals for so long. Everyone predicted that he was going to be a Yankee because it seemed like it was meant to be. The Yankees are an annoying, try-hard franchise. And Bryce Harper at, at the time, and still is, in a way, an annoying, try-hard baseball player. I say this with love. I love him deeply. But it, it seemed like a match made in heaven. And ever since they did not get him, nothing has gone right. Nothing. Yeah. They must. They must be having the same like, oh, the Bryce Bryce Harper Prime is is coming to an end. They must be having the same conversation about to. Judge, right? Like oh, Judge, yeah. Judge yeah, is yeah. thirty. He was thirty in twenty twenty two. He's played in twelve different playoff series over the course of six years, and he doesn't have a ring. Like they didn't obviously make it in twenty three, but there was a from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty two. He played in the postseason every year, and they never won a ring. Like <laughs> they, man, they it's ha- hard to win a World Series. It, it is, yeah, man. <laughs> Jeez. It is hard. There is no there is no secret formula nope. to doing this. And I think that's I think that's what we've been saying about the winter meetings and Dabrowski and and making a big like there's just there's no there's no move out there this winter that assures the Phillies of getting over the hump. That doesn't mean you don't make moves. That doesn't mean you don't try to improve yourselves. And there are certainly ways the Phillies could improve themselves. But like you just said, Justin, all those cracks at the at the at a World Series or the chance to get to a World Series for for a guy like Aaron Judge and just never did it ken griffey jr never made it to a world series you know there's some guys who just who never got there and it's just it's harder now than it's ever been because you have so many different so many more rounds to get through even though there's more playoff teams there's more rounds to get so many games you gotta win 13 dadgum games to to win a championship it's just absolutely crazy um I did want to mention one trade that was made within the division. Uh, the Atlanta Braves acquired outfielder Jared Kalenic, as well as left-hander Marco Gonzalez and first baseman Evan White from the Mariners uh, for a couple of uh, right-handed pitchers, Jackson Coar and Cole Phillips. This was an interesting move in that it really signaled that the Mariners have given up on, <laughs> on a guy. It is, it is December, and it the Mariners bleak. have given up. <laughs> They've decided that this kid that they was like the centerpiece of the Robinson was it the Robinson Cano trade? Yeah, it was the Robinson Cano trade. Um, oh, the Edwin Diaz trade, right? Isn't that what that was, this was all? He was involved in that trade with them, with the Mets. I was actually trying to look this up earlier. And I think he was. Kelnick doesn't think he, have a transaction section on his baseball reference page. So whatever yeah, it I is, think, they're trying to keep a lid on it. He was the he was the centerpiece, I believe, for the yes. Edwin Jackson trade. Diaz. Um, Edwin Diaz, yes, not Edwin Jackson. Gosh, no, that would be that would be what a, an insane a trade back that the, the Mariners day, yeah. definitely would have tried to pull. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, that's right. But he's it's funny. The so he has been very disappointing uh, in his in his call ups to the major leagues. He continues to get sent down to the minors. He has not hit the way anybody thought he would. But still, just twenty four years old, um, and he's been on the Mariners. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, not many guys. It's it's hard to hit in that ballpark. Uh, last year had his best season in 105 games, uh, 253, 327, 419, hit 11 homers and 49 RBIs in 105 games. He did miss a lot of time after breaking his foot when he kicked a water cooler in frustration after a strikeout. So um, he may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but uh, I, I think this is – I'm kind of curious if what the Braves see in him, if they're thinking they can kind of – you know, use their use their Braves magic to turn him into an all-star outfielder. I certainly won't put it 
past them, but his track record is not one that makes you think like this is an impact move within the division. But because it's the Braves, Liz, does this give you a, any pause? The fact that the Braves saw enough in this guy and said, yeah, let's let's take a chance on him. I mean, it's a, it's one thing when the Phillies do it with Christian Pache. It's another thing when the Braves do it with somebody like this who was once considered a, a tippy-top prospect in baseball. It's one thing when the Phillies do it, but when like a, when a competent team like the Braves handle it. Um, <laughs> I... Well, um, I mean, a team that has a the Phillies are a competent team, but the Braves have a history of like every people they get just <laughs> turn to gold, you know. Absolutely, uh, it. I'm actually pretty happy for Clinic. Looking at his Instagram post after he after the trade, he thanked the fans, he thanked uh, his teammates, he thanked he thanked the Braves, he for this opportunity. He thanked mm. his family. And he thanked God. You know who he didn't thank? The Mariners. Yeah. The Mariners did not appear in his goodbye post. He did not like it there. And I think it's because they they are secretly, you know, you look at some teams, you're like, wow, the A's are bad and, you know, whatever. The the Mariners are secretly one of the the worst, I think. If not one of it's they are the worst team in baseball because Jerry DePoto has has untreated attention deficit disorder <laughs> that is a guess that is not a diagnosis i have no proof but the man can't settle on anything and the and ownership just lets him do whatever like he will wake up and think today's the day to make a trade i will send jared kolenic out to the braves yes and so it just happens like they they can't settle on anything I saw a tweet earlier, and I wish I could find it now, but it was uh, the the graphic for the starting line of the 2023 Mariners. There are three guys that are left. Wow! I think out of the out of the eight, there are three. Everyone else has either been traded, uh, or uh, sent down, or they're in free agency. Like it's it is a mess over there. People are not talking about it enough for my taste. I, I, and like I said, I'm just happy the clinic is out of there because that's now what I want for everyone. You know, as far as Otani landing spots go, uh, early, early, oh, early yeah. on in this conversation, uh, I don't mean literally this one we're having now, but the, the Otani, where's he going to go conversation, I liked saying the Mariners because it was a fun idea to think that this. This kind of little brother team that doesn't have a World Series could get this huge superstar and uh, like scoop the Dodgers and and uh, become a powerhouse that challenges the Astros with like guys like Julio Rodriguez and all these other young fun players they have. And then this off season, well, the Mariners off season, not everyone's off season. Back in early October, Jerry Depoto said the quote that will define his legacy in Seattle the, with the famous 54%, like winning 54% of your games is all you like have to do. Uh, and like, yeah, there's some a little more nuance to it than, than I think how that quote gets remembered. But he also came out the next day and had to apologize because... You know, it ticked a lot of people off that he was suggesting you don't have to be the best. You can just be a team that, like, doesn't spend a ton of money and just kind of gets over the line and sneaks into the World Series. And honestly, if he was able to build a team like that, they would have gotten to the World Series by now. So I'm also, as, as much as I'm, like, out on the Padres, like, you had enough chances. I picked you enough times. I'm not charmed by this anymore. 
figure your stuff out. I'm I'm looking elsewhere for my my charming new MLB narrative. I'm kind of at the same point with the Mariners. Like this is this is ridiculous. I, you can't. The stories are now like, oh, uh, don't expect them to hold on to uh, uh, Logan. Uh, what's his name? Logan uh, Cal Rally and Logan. I forget his last name, uh, but like yeah, these young players on, on the Mariners that like people want to be able to root for. And yeah, they're not going to because Dakota will just wake up one day with like an itch to scratch and make a trade. Cause he feels like it, or they'll be like, this guy's too expensive and we don't want to pay him. So that immediately takes guys like Otani off the board for them. And it also just makes the talent they have harder to hold on to it. It just sucks. Cause those it fans does. are ready for a change too. Like I feel bad for the white Sox a lot, but at the very least, their ownership is pretty upfront. Like, they, they know that he's lying. It's obvious what's happening to the team, and the fans know it. The depressing part is that the, the Mariners continue to make promises, and they have enough they have enough competent leadership there that they could make it happen. They just choose not to over and over, crushing just like every year they renew their decision to crush their fans' dreams. I liked when Jerry Reinsdorf was like, we will not be signing Shohei Otani. And all the White Sox fans were like, yeah. They just kept looking at their phones. Like, yeah, no kidding. Know, wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the heads thanks. up, Jerry. Yeah, I was. we, we had our camp sent for that, but... Uh... <laughs> Gosh darn, we're real disappointed now. Yes, I'll t- pick, um, like, pick up my tent at the season ticket line and uh, just head on home. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the winter meetings. And uh, we will, as the week goes along, um, I'll have a midweek podcast that will update things. And, of course, we'll do uh, an emergency podcast if anything big comes down. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep everybody up to date as the week goes along on what's happening at the winter meetings. To finish off this episode of the podcast, I wanted to kind of turn things over to Liz because – um, she found something and um, and, and acquired something uh, that is simply r- remarkable. And Liz, I'm going to let you take the floor here. You've got the conch. Thank you very much. Um, I have a hobby of the last few years of collecting baseball team cookbooks. This was a tradition um, more so in the 90s, 80s, uh, and 70s. Uh, there are a lot out there, and I have a I have a small collection of maybe ten, maybe twelve. One that I did not have. Now, while I have the the I have two the two most recent cookbooks the Phillies have done, uh, which was during the last great one run of gloriousness. Um, I did not have their original, the very first one they did, uh, which is the nineteen seventy six Phillies Phillies cookbook. Uh, <laughs> until last week, um, I acquired from eBay a beautiful copy for like just maybe fifteen bucks, and uh, it came. And my husband and I spent an hour sitting and looking through it. There are pictures. There are poems. There are actually well-written, clever poems in this. There is adorable recipes and very weird uh, descriptions of people. So I think for the next couple of weeks, I'd like to read little parts of this, some recipes, uh, and I might upload some photos and uh, some images of the pages to my Twitter account, at Liz Rocher, uh, and... Yeah, and I I want everyone to be able to see this because it's it's beautiful. The back cover, well, the front cover is uh, Phil and Phyllis together, and uh, Phil is 
taking the uh, what the fancy metal top, like a cloche, uh, off of a a beautiful turkey that is being held by Phyllis, because the Phillies Phillies are in fact their wives, <laughs> which is a little a little weird uh, that they called them Phillies, but uh, I'm assuming it's in reference to the horse. There are no horses on or in this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the back cover features a team photo that might have been taken when no one was paying attention. Entire people are covered by other people's heads. <laughs> that, like Steve, like uh, uh, Mike Schmidt is in this photo, but you can't see him because one of the Phillies coaches, with his eyes shut, is blocking his entire head. One player is only seen... Just his large, his large afro is poking out from behind an, a white person's head. What year was this again? 1976, baby. Well, that that checks. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say, uh, like, if the, they were in such disarray, if you had said like 72 or something, I'd be like, yeah, that that also aligns with where the, the state of the team at that point. But 76, well, they were gearing 76, up. That was the yeah. That was the first year, so maybe they were still new to the whole "we're competent" thing. <laughs> we're popular. Know? People want people would buy a cookbook with our logo on it. They wouldn't be yeah. like, "Well, this is just garbage," and put it yeah. in the trash. Yes. So I'll read the uh, the introduction here. It's all very. This is all very adorably formal. Uh, the Phillies Phillies was organized during the 1974 baseball season. Our charity was St. Christopher's Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and we were able to raise money, which they chose to invest in an incubator for, uh, for premature children. In 1975, our charity was St. John of God School in Westville Grove, New Jersey. With the monies raised, they in turn purchased a bus for transporting children to school. As of this printing, our charity has not been decided upon, but rest assured, we will choose a charity which all the Philly fans will be proud to have contributed to. We are very happy to give back to the Delaware Valley just some of the loyalty they have shown to us. May each of, may each of you remember, it is you that makes it possible for us to do this deed. And right below that, there is an adorable picture of a, of a, uh, it's a small bus it says St. John of God Community Services on it with a large Phillies logo. And I can only imagine that this is a red and white bus. Otherwise, it would not make sense. All the photos are in black and white, obviously. All right. So. Yeah. No, no color photography in 1976. Right? No, we're, not we're quite. Yes. Yeah. So there is a chapter for every area of the Phillies uh Every, every area of the Phillies organization. We've got front office personnel, nurses, the trainer and the clubhouse men, broadcasters and news media, managers and coaches, pitchers, catchers, infielders, and outfielders. There are, there are some crazy recipes in here. So we're going to start with the front office personnel. Oh, but first, I will upload this tomorrow. A pristine black and white photo of the vet it is one of the most beautiful beautiful things you'll ever see it's filled to the brim it you could tell it just opened if like just just opened because like they've got those those parking structures in the front the concrete uh the concrete ones the cars are all filled up there are little trees along all the outside it's it looks like a spaceship stadium and from this view, I can see why people would have wanted to come there. 
the vet when it was totally full was a scene. I mean, it was it was pretty cool to see. I've, I'd only been to a handful of baseball games where it was like 50,000, 55,000 people, and it seated 67, 7,000 people. But like when that place was full, and the because you just see a circle, a whole bowl around. Man, it was it was a pretty amazing place to watch a to watch a sporting event. I mean, it's a, a hole in the earth, but uh, when you get that many people in one place, it was it was pretty it was pretty wild. What yes. was it like when all the games were in black and white, John? <laughs> well, when you'd go to the ballpark, it was it would be off-putting because everything's in color before you walk in. And then, you know, you, you, you sit down and all of a sudden everyone in the stadium is colorblind. You can't see what you can't see who's who as everything's in, in gray and, and, and black and white. It's a little disconcerting, but it's only three hours of your life. And then you leave and you can see color again. What's the problem? It's like Pleasantville. <laughs> exactly exactly all right i'll read a couple of entries some of the, the uh some of these ones for the front office are weirdly long um while some of the ones for outfielders <laughs> and pitchers and whatnot like larry christensen uh who has an entry in here was not married has maybe four lines and his recipe was contributed by his mother <laughs> we'll get Come on, to what's that. the recipe maybe that sometime did? next year oh okay Oh gosh, hold on. Let me. Now I can't. Now I'm not going to. Oh, I can't even find him. Oh no, here he is. Uh, also, in one of the other things uh, I will be presenting this off season uh, is there's more about Larry Christensen, who apparently did not like baseball. Uh, those are my favorite ball players to read about. The guys who are just like, yeah, it just turned out I was good at this, and I have to do it. But you know, <laughs> doing eh, it now take and take it or leave it. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the first. Uh, the first person we have up is the president of the Phillies organization in 1976, Ruley Carpenter. Um, it is not known who wrote these little blurbs. Um, it may be they do credit, they do dedicate this book to someone. The first edition is dedicated to now every single non-proper name, like a nickname, it's all in quotations, is dedicated to quote, quote, Chris Legault for her endless work to help us in any endeavor. She was apparently the typist for this whole for this whole book. So it was either her or perhaps um, uh, let me see. It says Joan Rosny uh, and Chris Wheeler <laughs> uh, all oh, contributed. Yeah, there's the there's some good names. All right, so we've got Ruley Carpenter. Ruley Carpenter loves the Phillies. He should. He was raised in the organization. At first, coming. He didn't have parents? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. His mother and father. Was, his mother was Ida, was Phyllis, and his father was Connie Mack Stadium. That's a, I mean, I know that sounds great and all, but I'm sorry. The love of parents is, is just, you can't replace that with baseball. Yeah, it's, but okay, go ahead. It's tough growing up as, uh, yeah. as part stadium. Uh, at first, coming to Connie Mack yeah. with his father, Bob, was strictly for for fun but the time came when his father asked paul owens to quote teach him baseball from the farms on up and he did ruley enjoyed his college years as an eli at yale playing three years of varsity football and was on the 1960 undefeated team as someone who worked at yale i never stopped hearing about them <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, he captained the, bas the baseball team in his senior year. 
Ruli's pride in his, is in his club and his lovely wife, Stephanie, and children Bobby, David, and Lucinda. They all share his dream for a pennant and World Series. Only S is, is capitalized in World Series. Uh, hmm. Entertaining at home and going to games keeps Stephanie busy, but she wants to share one of her favorite dishes with the Phillies fans, minced clams. What? what? That's nobody's favorite dish. It no. is an appetizer. It's an order. Uh, it involves a, a can of minced clams, a package of Philadelphia cream cheese, two heaping tablespoons of mayonnaise, tablespoon of lemon juice, Worcestershire sauce, uh, ch- fine chopped onion, and chopped parsley. Now, when I upload a few of these over the next week, you will see the um, all of the recipes have been squished into either the bottom third or bottom quarter of the page. So they're hmm. all pretty short. Okay. That's good. Few ingredients. I mean, for, for a family like me on a budget, and we're looking to use some spare clams we have laying around, that, yeah. that could really come in handy. You yeah, are going to enjoy me this. When I bought a, a cookbook from the 50s that was technically a part of the set dressing of a, of a like boutique, that <laughs> I tried to buy, and they were like, oh, that's that doesn't even have a price tag. How much do you want to pay us for it? And I was like, oh, this will be fun and quirky. And I took this cookbook home and opened it, and like every recipe was like, okay, so get out your, your octopus <laughs> and, and bash it in the head with a hammer. And then, you know, just cream it like you normally cream it. And then cream, creamed octopus. There you go. Dinner. They're, they're, we're going to enjoy these recipes here. I'm not going to make really any of them ever, but... All right. I, I, I also just want to say I think it's great that that really married up uh, in that way after you know you're raised by feral cats in a stadium and to, to <laughs> enable yourself to marry a woman of, of, of high class like that to, to have that clam recipe just you know at her disposal whenever she wants it it was it's good for him it was good the for him. minced clams that made him fall in love with her <laughs> you will see a trend um, in these descriptions. Uh, the wives are described as pretty, striking, mm-hmm. gracious, mm. lovely. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Every there is a comment on. Yep. There's another gracious. I'm just. I'm mm. just graceful. I bet is yep, in there. Just slipping through. Um, stylish. I'm gonna assume mm. that's because she, no one wanted to look at her. Um. <laughs> Whenever they use a word that does not mean pretty, my assumption is that it's just it, it's just late 70s misogyny. <laughs> and yeah, how so about nobody's... that Marla Hooch? What a hitter. <laughs> what a hitter. <laughs> what a lead. <laughs> <laughs> what do you suggest for her? A lot of oh, night games. <laughs> I could recite funny. that movie, but I won't Mrs. because I need to talk about yeah. Bill Giles, everybody. Bill Giles. Give me Bill look. Giles, and then All we'll right. wrap up. Let's for look this at what week. his yeah, uh, title was. Executive yeah. Vice President. When asked why he comes up with the wackiest, most exciting, and hair-raising ideas that sometimes get off the ground or in the air, Bill's mm-hmm. eyes twinkle and he grins with his reply. The devil made me do it. Uh-oh. Do we have any comments yet? <laughs> Should I continue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. willing to let it go. What what else does the devil tell you to do? Uh from the repentive scoreboard apology to an umpire in Houston to the bell ringing ride of Paul Revere in Philly in 76. You have to agree he's come a long way, baby. There is an exclamation point which you wow. don't see much in this book. 
No, that's there's somebody got very very excited yeah. there. That's hmm. amazing. See, I would have guessed that there was an exclamation point in minced clams because no. you can't say it without <laughs> being very excited. Yes, quite true. Having Warren C. Giles, former president of the National League, uh, for his father, had to ignite the love of the game all his life. That is a really confusing sentence. Um, I don't think I could make it clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sparks came when Bill felt that you, quote, had to have a gimmick to, propose, to propose, promote the business side of America's favorite pastime. Bill's gracious wife, Nancy, uses a few gimmicks herself when she tempts Bill and their three sons, Michael, Joseph, and Christopher, a few of which you'll hear more about later in the book, uh, with a dish like her pork chops and scalloped potatoes. See, that's a meal I can get behind. That's a meal you can set your watch to. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's not, you know, nothing minced. You know, there's nothing in a shell. <laughs> there's I, nothing I can... minced, nothing in a shell, because I'm going to guess there's very little flavor. We've got four or five pork chops, one can of cream of mushroom soup, oh. half a cup of sour cream, a quarter cup of water, and not even not even chicken stock or broth, water. Wow. Two tablespoons water. of chopped... No, 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 water. Water, excuse Go me. Go on. Uh, two tablespoons of chopped parsley and four cups of thinly sliced potatoes and salt and pepper to taste. There it's the are, water that it. brings out the flavors. <laughs> there is no That's, garlic. There's no it out. onion. There's no aromat. There's no. There's parsley. No garlic powder. Nothing. I mean, there's not even no. Well, and you got to grab a handful of uh, Schuylkill River water, and that's where all your <laughs> natural herbs come. from. That's how the flavor that's right. comes from. Yes, brown yeah. the chops in a skillet. Oh, there's so much blending. If you don't have a blender, you are out of luck. A blend the soup, water, sour cream, and parsley. Then in a two-quart casserole, alternate layers of potatoes sprinkled with salt and pepper and sauce. Top with the chops. Cover and bake for an hour <laughs> for an hour and fifteen minutes at three seventy-five. <laughs> Do you want your pork? What, what, what internal temperature are we going for with these? Two hundred fifty degrees. What is? <laughs> I thought these were gonna be. I'll, I'll be honest. A lot rawer of a, of a recipe where they'd be like, "Okay, now get your get your pig tracking boots on." <laughs> And head out into the woods, <laughs> and I would wait up to three or four days in your pig hunting pit. And finally, when you see what well, you got to tackle it and give it a couple of swift jabs to the ribs, you know, really give people the uh, the comprehensive approach to to pork chops. This honestly feels more like cheating. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? The coward's way out. Yeah. So up next for the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll take a look at Paul Owens. Uh, who was alive and working at this point. Dave Montgomery, who is credited as Dave. Uh, mm. with Dallas Green, who has the best photo you have ever seen in this. Larry Schenk uh, and Chris Wheeler. So get ready, everybody. We got some fun times ahead. This is going to be this is going to be a good uh, running segment here on these uh, Sunday or Monday editions uh, of the Hit and Season podcast. Liz, I thank you for bringing this to our attention, and we look forward to seeing some of these pictures and recipes on uh, your social media uh, on the uh, on the X Twitter uh, at Liz Rocher uh, over these uh, next coming uh, days and weeks and stuff. And so, um, 
Let's see. Uh, I'm looking at a tweet that just came through, but it, I thought there, it said it had a Phillies and Juan Soto connection there, but it doesn't look like it's anything. So never mind. I was. <laughs> oh God. Um, I was gonna throw in some last minute news, but it's not really news. It's it's nothing. It's basically saying like yeah, the Phillies are not, the Phillies have not spoken to the Padres about a Juan Soto trade. Okay, great. I'm glad we're reporting that. Um, let's get to some <laughs> final thoughts before we before we. <laughs> things up here on this scintillating edition of hit and season. Uh, Justin, any final thoughts? Uh, just two quick ones. Jim Leland went into the hall of fame today and they actually uh, asked him about his candidacy to be the Phillies manager back when they were looking for a manager oh, yeah. and wound up hiring Charlie Manuel. And, and, you know, he gave a pretty typical Jim Leland response and was like, just like, Oh, clearly they want, they went with the right guy. Like they won the World series, but that is, that is another, if we ever do a, what if kind of episode, that'd be an interesting one to think about. Uh, because there were a couple of candidates they were looking at that time. And Charlie Manuel yeah. was not the favorite, uh, certainly not among fans. So, uh, I thought that was interesting, a uh, nice moment for him. And also just cool that he got into the hall of fame. Uh, the other thing is we keep saying, you know, nothing's going on. There's been quiet winter meetings. And for us, that is, that, that is true. You know, for we, uh, the public on the outside, it, there, there does not feel like there is a lot going on, but then you see tweets like Catherine, Caitlin McGrath's, uh, she's, she's a blue Jays writer for the athletic. Uh, and she said earlier today, uh, rather than meet with media in Nashville, Blue Jays GM Ross Atkins held a Zoom session due to what the team called a, quote, scheduling conflict. When asked if he was at the winter meetings, Atkins wouldn't say where he was and only that he was glad, quote, Zoom permitted us to have this meeting. Oh my this God. is the kind of stuff I mean, like, let's, yes, cloak and dagger. Let's read into things. This isn't even like a reach. Like they couldn't get him to confirm he was even in Nashville. So he's, he's up to something. And it could be that Shohei Otani was just sitting off camera. Could be that he's still got the lingering effects of the stomach virus from the GM meetings. But at the same time, there are <laughs> things going on. We just, you know, yes. don't necessarily know about about them and i thought that was pretty entertaining and they don't involve us in any way shape or form yet we'll see how things uh how things shake out but the phillies have had plenty of off seasons recently where they were making big splashes so uh perhaps this is a, an off season where uh that doesn't happen uh, liz any final thoughts from you um i uh lost a number of colleagues uh last this past weekend and today at yahoo sports due to another round of layoffs uh Ron Schlitz, one of our incredible video guys, Sam Cooper, who I've worked with since the very beginning, uh, has done a lot of our college football stuff. Um, Hannah Kaiser uh, and Zach Kreiser. Uh, Hannah used to be at Good Deadspin, uh, and Zach has been at Baseball Prospectus. They were both our two of them were our baseball crew pretty much entirely, and they are no longer with us. It has been a very difficult day. Uh, please go read their stuff. If you know people who have jobs to give, please, please hire them. They're incredible people who do incredible work, and it's not going to be the same without them at Yahoo Sports. Yeah, well, we are we are thankful that uh, that that you are still there, Liz. But yeah, d definitely a, a, a tough day. As I was watching them come through, my a lot of the a lot of the folks that you just mentioned were, of course, tweeting that they're moving on to trying to move on to to something else. And uh, it really is Yahoo, such an underrated um, outlet for for sports. I mean, just there has been so much content, uh, great content coming from Yahoo. Like, of course, your stuff, Liz, but also Hannah's stuff is always great. And um, uh, Jory Epstein, who I've had on uh, Eye on the Enemies, terrific. Um, for 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 Yahoo on the NFL side, so just so much good, so much good writing for Yahoo. So yes, please check out Liz's stuff over at Yahoo. Continue to give Yahoo the clicks uh, for everybody else who who is still there, and, and enjoy all the good work that uh, the folks at Yahoo Sports are doing as well. Liz, um, just 
what's the best place for people to go for Yahoo stuff? Go for your to sports.yahoo.com. You can find some of my stuff there pretty much five days a week, Monday through actually Sunday, Monday. No. What days do I work? <laughs> Sunday all, through all Thursday. Of the days. Sunday through Thursday. I'm on pretty much every NFL Sunday. You could find me either on the live blog or doing posts. So, yes, yeah. come visit. Our coverage is excellent. Jury does a lot of Cowboys and Eagles coverage. She is exceedingly fair. Oh, she's great. We had her. I loved having her on uh, when we had her on a couple of months ago uh, before the season got started. So uh, she's going to be one of my off-season go-tos uh, pretty much uh, every year for as for as long as she's around. So that was um, yeah, she's great. Yeah. A lot of great writers over there for Yahoo. For absolutely. Um, all right, folks. Look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hidden Season. I want to also direct you to the BillyPen.com Hidden Season landing page. It's pretty simple to get there. BillyPen.com/slash/HiddenSeason. That's where you can find all of our blog posts about the Phils. Uh, I have one that's either up there or will be going up there soon, depending on when you hear this podcast, kind of a winter meetings primer uh, for the Phillies. And we're going to, again, keep you updated this week on everything going on with the winter meetings, uh, midweek and end of week show. uh, So you won't miss anything if you just uh, subscribe and stay tuned here to the Hidden Season podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening and tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hidden Season.